Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are in charge, that you are in control, that you are a firm foundation and we will not be shaken. Thank you that we can trust you. I pray, Lord God, that as we continue with our service and we go to the teaching of the word, Lord God, I pray that you will uh, open up our eyes and open up our minds for what you want to speak to each one of us this morning. Fill us with your spirit, Lord God. And may we be, though we may be few in number, Lord God, I pray um, that the impact of today uh, will go out and touch many, many more. Amen. Amen. Well... I'm the pastor who overshares, so here we go. I'm going to overshare. (laughs) It's not in my notes, so good luck. Um, And there's no clock for me to look at, so do forgive me to keep looking at my watch every now and again. But um, just quick overshare. When I arrived today, I had no idea that the car park... Hello, Noah. He loves me. I'm his dog trainer, doing a great job, I can see. Um... (laughs) So um, when we uh, arrived, I didn't know the car park was going to be full of people um, taking part. And I think it's a run. I think these are the runners today, but I don't actually know. Anyway, um, and when I arrived, I got all het up and I met with a couple of people who are lovely people who, you know, said, just take a moment, take a breather. <laughs> um, and, um, and you know what God has done for me this morning? He, he just kind of reminded me of something. Because the thing is, we're few in number in the, in the room as well, which, as a pastor, also starts to disturb your heart slightly. So, you know, you're like, that's it, everyone's left. The pandemic's had its work, done its work, everyone's left. And then Michelle goes, it's a bank holiday. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's a bank holiday. <laughs> and actually, there's more of you now, by the way. So you're sat there thinking, well, not too bad in number, but actually there was a lot less. I can see several more people than when I was first a little bit stressed by it. So I want you to know these things because number one, I'm fed up with people thinking that pastors don't have initial bad reactions to things, okay? Because we have enormously bad reactions. We've just got really good at not sharing it with everyone, and, uh, and except right now, and, um, and also just, you know, letting God have his way quickly, just quicker than some, um, I think. Sometimes we get there a lot quicker. So I'm sharing from my experience because I need you to know, because I am like a, I'm a little, I can still feel a little bit of a stress hormone running through my body right now. So, um, so I'm sharing it with you because I think I need to, because this is what God said to me through the worship. He said to me, we started with Jesus be the center of it all. Um, and you know, he's the center. What we're here for, it doesn't matter if there's five of us, he is the center. Um, and then, and then, you know, he started to speak to my heart and I see a prophetic vision. That car park that's full can be a prophetic vision because this room can hold 250 people is it 
about that. Um, you know, let's start to see it prophetically, but even better than that. And this is when he really spoke to my heart. Because he kind of, he, he just put this impression on my heart. You know, we're hidden away here in the school. Um, when I say to people I run Hope Church, Malmesbury, they go, where's that? They always say, where's that? I'm like, how are we this hidden? I always say, we're the ones that run the pantomime. And they look blank, you know. I don't understand because there's definitely hundreds of people who come to the pantomime. So how is it possible that every person I speak to doesn't seem to know who we are and where we are? And yet, this today, we've got signs out there that say Hope Church, Malmesbury. And as people came and parked, they were reminded that a church meets here. And as we were singing, I saw someone walk past and looking in. We just witnessed just by being here. Luckily, I removed myself from the car park. Because <laughs> I might have been like, no, Rhonda's over there. Because <laughs> um, that's, that's what kind of brain space I was in. But, you know, I just, wow, how God turns things around. And, and that's very relevant to what I'm about to preach. So that's why I wanted to share it with you. Because, because it's not always what it seems. And the thing that can cause us to get into distress in one moment, and I know there's somebody right here today who knows what it feels like to in a moment fall into stress and de-stress, and yet, if we give God a moment, we can get ourselves back out, because we just have to give that moment. We just have to take that, go and take a breather, Lydia, take that moment aside and allow God to reshape our thinking about something that seems annoying and irritating, angry, whatever it is that it causes in you. So I hope that's of some comfort to someone. I had to share that because I could feel it still running around my body and I actually do feel better having shared it. So pastor, whoever shares, you, you get it all. <laughs> well, God bless you. Well, let's get straight into today's um, uh, ministry of the word. Today's sermon follows straight on from last week's message. Because it's based around the very next thing that Jesus is recorded in saying in Luke chapter 6. Now last week, Steve had the pleasure of sharing with us a series of blessings that Jesus announced over his listeners. Blessings that turn our natural thinking on its head. He said, blessed are the poor and the hungry. Blessed are those who are being persecuted. If you haven't heard it, listen to Steve's sermon online to hear more. Steve is a blessed man because he got to talk about blessings. I, however, am a woe man. <laughs> and so in keeping with that title, it seems correct that I have some woes to share with you this morning. So let's buckle in, folks, and let's get into some scripture no one ever likes to hear. Luke chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Woe there. This doesn't sound too good, does it? Yet, God is good all the time. And the Bible 
is God's word to us. So uncomfortable scripture must also be good somehow. So let's dig into it. Immediately prior to saying this, Jesus has pronounced those blessings that Steve was talking about last week. He pronounces blessings on four sets of people. Blessed are the poor, hungry, weeping, and persecuted. And now we have four sets of people who receive the woes. Woe to the rich, well-fed, laughing, and accepted. It's an exact opposite of the first list. And you would actually expect these lists to be flipped, wouldn't you? Surely, blessed are the rich, not the poor. Surely, blessed are the well-fed, not the hungry. You can go right down the list doing that. But here's the thing. Isaiah 55 verse 8 tells us, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You've probably heard that statement before. You see, God thinks differently to us. God does things differently to us. He does things in a different way than we would choose to. He doesn't do things the way we think he should. He doesn't do things by the beat of a human drum. And this is why his word tells us to renew our mind. Human thinking is completely upside down to God's thinking. And I want to be very clear because I'm going to say that again. Human thinking is completely upside down to God's thinking. We're the upside down ones. We've got it upside down. I may phrase it later the other way around because that's how we think, because we think we're right. (laughs) But... Human thinking is completely different, it's backwards, it's upside down to God's thinking. And this is because a human is searching for answers, but it's in God where all answers are found. Yet, the answers are not always understandable to our human minds. Now, I firmly believe... And I actually think this is the main point of my sermon, so actually you could probably switch off later if you want to. But I suggest you see it through because we come back round. Um, But I firmly believe that the greatest challenge for a Christian living out their faith on earth is to get their thinking aligned with God. I actually think that's what we're supposed to be doing daily. That's why we read the word, to renew our mind. We're supposed to be getting in line with God, to get our thinking in line with God, to stop looking at events that happen around us, parking and whatever else that causes us, to look at them through our tiny, limited understanding. Now, I've said this before. But it's right back there in the Garden of Eden. It's the fruit of the tree of knowledge that causes humanity to stumble off track with God. And in Babel, it's the human desire to make ourselves as high as God, to reach his heights that throws them all into chaos. If you want to live out a successful Christian walk on earth... You need to accept that you don't know everything. And what you know might be wrong. So many things that the world sow into your mind 
seem right. And I say your mind, I've been battling with this probably even more so over the lockdown because the world feeds you a lot, okay? And um, so I'm not saying your mind, I'm saying our mind. It seems right. Yet, God's word says differently sometimes. So what is actually right or good in any given situation? Is common thought right and good? Or is God's word right and good? When they're exact opposites, how do we choose? How are we choosing? And for some of you listening today, that is a choice you need to decide upon today. So let me reiterate this challenge for you. There are things that the world deems right, that God's word says are wrong. Why do we assume the world, and let me be clear, the world is other humans with limited thinking and understanding, know better than Almighty God. And let me take this thought a little bit further. When the modern world and the Bible do not agree, it can seem like it is the world that are taking the loving-kindness route. But wait, let's have a look in the Bible. 1 John 4, verse 7 to 8 says, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Lydia is a woman. God is love. I really want you to get that. Friends, let me float the idea that actually... We mere humans do not fully understand everything. Let me float the idea that when God says something is wrong, it is out of love that he says this. And we do not understand the fullness of this. Let me float the idea that God's thoughts are not like ours and his ways are not our ways. But where we do not fully understand, we can rest assured that God is love. We can rest in that. We can trust in that. Therefore, we can trust in his love rather than in our own cleverness or our understanding of it all. Now this for me actually isn't very difficult because I'm very happy to say in all circumstances, I don't know. I don't understand. You will hear me say this many times. I will often go to Mark and go, I don't understand this. I don't know. I don't understand. You see, I have peace in the fact that I don't understand, but God does. So I trust him completely. But this I know is going to be a huge challenge for some of my listeners today. So I do not minimise the challenge you have right now before you. But I do strongly encourage you to let go of all you know and get on board with the Lord. You know, I like a rhyme. (laughs) I just write them like God gives them to me. (laughs) So, now... We understand that God is bigger and wiser than us. Let's get back into today's scripture 
and look at that list of woes over the seemingly successful in Luke 6, verses 24 to 26. Now, I want you to notice, the first thing I want you to notice in this scripture is that it is a list of woes, not curses. And there is a difference. Let's look at the dictionary definitions. A curse is a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. Whereas a woe is great sorrow or distress. And I was thinking about it and I realized that a curse is usually inflicted upon you by someone else, but a woe could be self-inflicted. In fact, I realized that the letters of woe could stand for watch out, everyone. Because the list of woes is really a list of things that we might fall into or, or be comfortable living with whilst not realizing how it could actually be a huge distraction or even dangerous to us. The message version of the Bible seems to agree with me. Here's how the message puts those declarations of woe from Jesus in Luke. Luke 6, verses 24 to 26 from the message. But it's trouble ahead if you think you've made it. What you have is all you'll ever get. And it's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. And it's trouble ahead if you think life's all fun and games. There's suffering to be met and you're going to meet it. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. So, let's take a closer look at those four areas that Jesus says we need to be aware of. And watch out, everyone, so we don't fall into these traps. I believe they're like little traps. So, verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Does God have a problem with rich people? If he does, we should all be quaking right now because in the grand worldwide scheme of things, every single one of us is in the top percentage of riches. Just by living in a westernized society with any social care, any social care, you are better off than literally millions of people. So wake up, you are all rich, we are all rich. We are all in the grand scheme of things in the top percentage of rich. The Bible... And, and I mean this because if you're watching on the internet, somehow you have the internet, you are rich, by the way. <laughs> Just to be clear. The Bible is very clear that wealth can be a problem. But not that money in itself is a problem. In fact, money is needed to pay for your pastors, for mission work, for feeding the poor. We actually need money to do the work of God. It's not... Money that is evil. It's the love of money that is the problem. Let's take a look at what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6, verse 7 to 10. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich 
fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. If we're honest, the chasing after wealth and well-being are often actually at the root of some of our own very bad decisions. We might take a job with a company that has some questionable morals because it pays better than that other company. Or we end up working on Sundays. Or we might even change our stance on something to look better in our employer's eyes. The places where we have fallen for the desire for money can be subtle at times. But the real reason, and I want you to get this, the real reason that chasing money is a problem is that it puts our trust in ourselves. As the message version of Jesus put it, it says in verse 25, and it is trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. We put our trust in our own ability to provide. So we, don't, we think, I have to work Sundays. I have to, and I'm not having a go at you if you're working Sundays, okay? But I have to do this because I have to provide. We don't give God enough room to go, actually, let me show you how I can provide in a different way. I have to take this job with this company because no one else has offered me a job. I'm not sure about the background of this company. It worries me, but I still take the job. We, we just, we, we, we are always, because this is the world has taught us to chase after these things. God promises time and time again to never leave us nor forsake us. That means he won't forget about us. And the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray um, includes asking God for our daily needs. He says, give us this day our daily bread. What that means is, see to my needs, my provision. And in the Ten Commandments, God says that he wants to be number one in our lives. That's the first part of the Ten Commandments. Yet, we don't always live like that. We don't always trust that God will never forget about us, that he will never leave us. We don't trust that he's always with us. And we don't trust that he will meet our daily needs. And often, in our modern world, God actually takes a back seat to several other things. Many of us might not have realized, but actually the truth is that for many folk, there's a priority list that goes something like this, and I really believe this. I believe that many of us have been living like this. So I'm sorry, but it's a challenge, but we have to face it, okay? This is our real priority list. Provision. I must provide for my family and and pay the bills. Family time. It's so important to have family time. Please don't get me wrong. It is important. Mental health. My well-being. I can't manage today. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just not feeling up to it. I can't come and serve at church today because I'm not up to it. I'm not saying these things are not important, but look where we're at. We're at number three already. And where's God coming? Number four, God. That's where God comes in. I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is many, many, many Christians' priority list. 
We think we have God at number one, but when we actually look at our lives and the choices we make, it goes provision, family time, mental health, God, other things. And so because God is above other things, we think he's number one, but I want to point out that I don't think he is. I truly think that this is our challenge this morning because Jesus' list of blessings and woes in Luke chapter 6 is really about putting our priorities in order. It's about getting our trust back into God. Take the next woe, for example. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. God has no problem with you eating until you are satisfied. In fact, he makes various promises to feed you with a feast. One of the most famous is found in Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You, you people, people of God, are supposed to feast when troubled times come, okay? That's what that means. And cast your mind back a few weeks in the sermon series just a few weeks back Jesus' disciples were accused of enjoying themselves too much by feasting and not fasting like other devout people might the main point guys of all of Luke 6 24 to 26 is simply that the worldly satisfactions are fleeting so let's crave the better things from God let's be clear The woes are not a list of bad things. It's a list of things that don't lead to eternal benefits. It's not bad to laugh. Proverbs tells us laughter is good medicine. Oh, don't you feel good after a good belly laugh? Honestly, it releases endorphins. It's actually medically proven that it is good for you to laugh. There are laughter clinics across the UK where you go to laugh. Laughing is good for you. Yet Jesus here says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Laughter is not bad. He's not saying, here's a bad thing. The point, of course is that living to laugh, and let's put it differently, living to enjoy life in order to enjoy life is going to lead to you missing out. That's why he says, whoa, it's not enough to live just to enjoy your life. Many, many, many non-Christians out there in the world are living to just enjoy life. What is it? You only live once. YOLO, isn't it? YOLO. You only live once. Hmm. You do, actually, but you can live on. (laughs) You do only live once. We're going to live on. (laughs) So we're going to make the most of that future that's way longer than this short period of time that we're here on Earth. So to be clear, enjoying life is actually promised by Jesus. In John 10.10, he says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Or as I prefer it in the Amplified, it says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Jesus wants you to enjoy your life. Please be clear. God created life. He wants you to enjoy it. But it all comes back to our basic assumptions and our value for these things. The world's message is pursue happiness. The word's message is pursue God. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Basically, pursue God 
pursue God, and you get the good stuff thrown in for free too. Too often, we are consumed by pursuing the good stuff, and we never quite make it, and we kind of lose God along the way as well. As Steve said, it's all upside down. We really need to get this message, children of God. Solomon, in the Old Testament, could have asked anything of God, but he asked for wisdom, and God granted him riches along with it. Wisdom is an understanding of God's better way for life. That's what wisdom really is. God rewarded Solomon for making the choice to seek first that righteousness of God. And then he rewarded, God rewarded Solomon by adding all those other things to him. It's biblically sound teaching and it's simple. Put your trust in God, pursue God, and the rest falls into place. You just trust him with the rest. The last woe Jesus tackles is our very human desire to be liked or appreciated or accepted. Woe to you, verse 26, when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Woe! Watch out, everyone. You're not saved to be popular. You are saved to live out and preach the truth. And this is where we start to come full circle. Because our desire to keep a good reputation or be well spoken of can actually lead us very quickly into the temptation to fall into the world ideologies of what is good or what is right rather than taking our lead from God and his word alone. The Apostle Paul warns of this in several of his letters. Galatians 1, verse 9 to 10, he says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That's a curse, not a woe. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man... I would not be a servant of Christ. That's the truth. If you want to please everyone else, you can't please God because there will be times where it just doesn't all marry up. And by the way, I would like to be popular too. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And I want to be clear, I didn't put it in my, uh, in my notes, but I can't leave it there because it's something that, that, that does bug me is when Christians on purpose try to upset everyone. That's not the point. <laughs> okay, try and be friendly with the rest of the world. Let's not try and put stumbling blocks in the way. There's enough of them all by themselves. Okay, Jesus is the only way. People really dislike that piece of information. Okay, we have our own stumbling blocks all there. We don't need to look for them. They're there, right there in scripture. So to sum up, those who seem to be troubled in this world are blessed when they place themselves in God. But those who pursue living their best life in this life are headed for trouble. Woe. Watch out, everyone. Don't be pursuing the wrong stuff. Really, I think the key to life is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then understanding that God's thoughts and ways are not the same as ours. 
Bringing our thinking into alignment with God will help us live like this. Throughout the Bible, God shows that he has the best way for us. If only we would walk in it. He shows it time and time again. When we believe the Bible, we realize that Jesus' water is better than earthly water. That Jesus' bread will sustain us more effectively than any earthly baked goods. The riches of heaven and God's approval far outweigh the riches available on earth and man's approval. We realize when we believe in the Bible that we are blessed even when we seem to be in distress. And we can have joy in the midst of tears because our God is like no other if you like stranger things this is the real upside down only a few people are going to get that joke God's thoughts are not your thoughts and his ways are not your ways So I hope we can let go of all we know and get on board with the Lord. Let's make an active choice this morning to pursue God and his ways in our lives, no matter what. And if this feels too great a challenge right now, I would suggest it's time to submit everything to God and allow his spirit to renew your mind. As Paul said in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, I appeal to you. I do this now. Lydia appeals to you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. You see, a living sacrifice, a sacrifice means you give up something, you let go of something, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? This is the only way we'll know the answer to that question. This this is great stuff here. Hang on. Because honestly, I love this next sentence that I've written down. So here we go. We were not saved from sin to be happy and comfortable. If that were true, in the moment of salvation we would have been collected off to heaven, which is perfect. Think about it. It's like I had such a revelation of this. I went, that's right. If we were saved for our comfort, we'd have been transported away the minute we got saved because it's way better up there, promise you. We remain here on earth after our personal salvation for a purpose. Here's another excerpt from one of Paul's letters to encourage us to get our priorities straight whilst we live out our lives here on earth. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 to 5, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort, exhort. Do you know what? I hear a lot of Christians reprove and rebuke. I don't hear a lot of exhorting. So exhort as well. Would you please encourage? That's what exhort means. With complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always 
be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I say amen to that. And if you've been listening today, and you have never received Jesus as your personal saviour, I want to give you the opportunity right now to make that first decision today. Whether you're watching online or you're here in this room this morning, God is listening to your heart. So pray this prayer with me to invite Jesus and his purposes to become your priorities today. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Now, assuming you weren't immediately transported to heaven after praying that prayer of salvation, you are here for a purpose. So it's time to live it out by going after God fully. Read his word and renew your mind. Believe that God's ways are better than your ways and that God is love pursue God make his ways your priority for life and trust him with all the rest let's pray thank you father God that the blessings and woes of Jesus show us the importance of where we place our trust and priorities Lord help each one of us get aligned with your Holy Spirit, to become your effective body here on earth and to live out our purposes. Amen. Amen. Well, that brings our service to a close this morning. Um, I believe we want everyone to leave the chairs and everything where they are. Is that correct? Could somebody nod at me? Who knows what they're doing? Yes. And... (laughs) Um, So come on outside, have a chat as you leave, and God bless you. Live it out, guys. Live out the purposes God has for you. Amen.